Father, give us this day our daily bread. Whatever form that needs to take for each of us in this moment. For me, it'll take the form of energy, focus, and clarity. But all of us need something from you in this exact moment. So would you meet us in that? Thank you that you know our needs before we even ask. So as we sit here, as we pause, help us to see how you are providing for us. Help us to see how you're providing for us in ways that we don't even know to ask. For your kingdom's sake, we pray. Amen. So we've been going through a series on the Lord's Prayer, and it's right there. We've been looking not just at the words of the Lord's Prayer, but how do we uncover and discover the face of God the Father in the Lord's Prayer? What did Jesus want us to see about His Father? Jesus is the one that, He said, no one knows the Father but the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. He said, if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. And I believe that Jesus wanted to reveal profound things about the Father's heart to us. And those things, many of them are embedded in the Lord's Prayer. So we talked about how Jesus asks us to pray. He says, go into your closet, go into your pantry, your storeroom, by yourself. And when you're there, pray, our Father. Because Jesus wants us to remember, to know that we're connected to a family, that we're part of this body, this community that's greater than just ourselves. And through Jesus, we can call God Daddy. Abba, Father. He says, pray, hallowed be your name, which we talked about as another way of saying, demonstrate your holiness and reveal who you are. And sometimes that means come and rescue me. Sometimes that means help show us how you are different from all other gods, all other things that we would give our time and energy to. And we talked for two Sundays. Thank you, Mike Fry, for stepping up to the plate last Sunday. But we talked about your kingdom come. That loaded line, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That this isn't some just rescue us and take us somewhere after we die, but this is bring all of the goodness and dreams and desires and delight that God has stored up in God's heart. May that land in our lives on earth today in this moment. And that's what we're praying when we pray, your kingdom come. And now we find ourselves at this line that at first glance would seem just pretty straightforward. Pretty clear cut. Give us, let's see if I can do it here. Nope. Go back. Scott, take back control. I'm not even going to touch it. Give us this day our daily bread. Interesting line, isn't it? There's a lot of daily in there. As if God forgot two words in. Whoa, can we, can we take some of the heat off of that? I will do my best not to get excited this morning, and go to a coughing fit. Um, go ahead and, yeah, let's buffer that a little bit. Give us this day our daily bread. Is, it's an interesting line, isn't it? It's almost as if Jesus wonders if the Father is going to forget by the one, two, three, four, five, by the sixth word, the Father is going to forget when we're asking for this, like when we need this. Why does it need to say twice, give us today, our bread for today, our daily bread. So, like good 
scholars of the Bible, what we're going to do is we're going to jump into and say, well, what do some of these words mean? Are there other understandings, other interpretations? That is a great place to start. I wasn't ready for that, but yeah, I am. I'm ready for that. Let's start with the kind of the ball that's just put right on the tee there for us, bread. What does Jesus mean by bread? Now we mean, so we have communion set out back there. We have this amazing little sourdough roll. Um, communion is going to be for after we're going to have a chance to, to respond through communion. But, um, so we have this little sourdough roll over there, and we have this new gluten-free thing that my wife found that she was pretty excited about. It's rosemary and thyme focaccia. Focaccia? Is that, how, am I pronouncing that right? Focaccia. I'm a bread connoisseur. Um, so we have, these, we have this really gourmet communion back there for you. But when we think about bread, and when Jesus talks about bread, give us this day our daily bread, it's loaded with a lot more meaning than we might think at first glance. Think about some of the analogies or ways that bread is talked about in Scripture. Some of your minds might be going to a time when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. And he's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And the tempter comes to him and says, see this stone right there? Take this stone and turn it into bread. And Jesus says, nah. says, the tempter came to him and said, since you are God's son, command these stones to become bread. Anybody wish that you could do that sometimes? You ever find yourself at that point where you're like, man, that would be nice. Or maybe like a nice cake. And Jesus says, it's written, people won't live only by bread, but by every word spoken by God. He says there's more to bread than just bread. And there's more to sustenance than just the physical. He says that this, and he's quoting actually Deuteronomy 8. He says, we don't live only by bread, but every word spoken by God. The word that comes from the Father is sustenance beyond what physical bread can give and can sustain. That word, by the way, um, word, that word, word, is not necessarily talking about Scripture. It's not this word logos. In Scripture, there's a few different words for word. One of the words is the Greek word logos, which often refers to Scripture, the written word. It also refers to Jesus, the living word. But this word is this Greek word rhema. And rhema means this spoken, living, breathing, moving, kind of always hits the target type word. And Jesus says, man doesn't live Humans don't live on bread alone, but by every rhema word spoken by the mouth of God. I think Jesus was referring to that in part when he said, give us this day our daily bread. There's another place where this is found. Scott, I'll let you do it. Isaiah 55, it's a similar sentiment. God is speaking to the Israelites. He says, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. In other words, God is saying, my instruction, my words to you, are more life-giving than this bread that you can go buy with money. So, in other words, Jesus is saying, 
give us this day our daily bread, in one sense, if we look at all of Scripture, is talking about these spiritual resources that are available to us. These spiritual resources that come in the form of these three eyes. I'll do it here. Don't touch it, Scott. Don't. Don't touch it. Stop it. He's saying our daily bread comes in the form of insight, of instruction, of inspiration. It comes in the form of God's living, breathing Word that comes and energizes us. It comes and sustains our spirit. I feel like there's so much I could say about that on any other day. That's kind of where I'm at right now. Jesus, give me that living word. Sometimes that's just the spiritual resource, the spiritual energy to kind of make it through the day without too much collateral damage in your family or relationships. Have any of you found yourself there where you're like, Jesus, I just need you to give me something to take the edge off of the capital J jerk that's coming out of me right now. I just need a little bit of spiritual oomph, a little bit of your life and energy so that I don't respond to these people the way I'm tempted to respond right now. Jesus, speak to me. Give me perspective. How many of you have prayed that over last week? Give me some perspective on this situation, some life-giving word that will change the way I see all of this and change the way I operate within all of this. I prayed that a lot this last week. Help. Give me resources beyond just the physical. Not only was Jesus referring to the Word of God, the spoken Word of God, but here in John 6.35, He says, I'm talking about Myself. There's this, this passage is super interesting. It's, it'll be fun to look at someday. I, I wasn't sure how many kids would be in here. And so, um, I kind of took these verses and just took them out of context and put them up there, but at some point, if you want to read some really weird words of Scripture, read John chapter 6. It's, it's almost cannibalistic. It's really weird. Dave's like, I know what you're talking about. Jesus makes these weird statements like, eat me. And the next thing it says is that tons of the disciples turned and walked away and didn't follow him any longer. And you're like, hmm, I wonder what could be going on there. Wonder why that would be. I, can I, I have a theory on that. I don't know if I should say my theory. My processing is moving so slow right now. I know you can all feel it. And I just need to own it. I'm wondering if Jesus was just getting sick of all their complaining and their grumbling, and he's like, you know what? I've got an idea. If I say this, then you'll get out of here, and it won't be my fault. (laughs) It literally says that tons of them turned and left, and he turns to the disciples, and he's like, what about you guys? You remember this passage? What about you all? 
the ones that I literally went to and handpicked and called, what about you? Where are you going to go? And he's like, where would we go? You're the only one that has the words of life. You're the only one that has this bread. But read John chapter 6 and see what Jesus is doing there because it's really awkward and super, super interesting. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Can we even imagine? Can we even imagine being sustained in that way by the person of Jesus? That's one form of what we're doing back there with the Eucharist. So these spiritual resources, he says, pray, give us this day our daily bread. I think these are some of the things Jesus has in mind. He's also referring to himself. Give me some of you today, Jesus. Give me the sustaining, animating, life-giving, loving grace that comes from your very being today so that I can carry that into the world. So those are some of the more spiritual renderings of, of bread. And we need to look for a few minutes at at this phrase, artas, epiusius, right? My fellow Greek scholars, does that sound like a good pronunciation? Correct me if I'm wrong, because I very much could be wrong. So, artas simply means bread. We already talked about that, Chris. Oh yeah, that's right, I'm following along with myself. It means any kind of food, any kind of physical sustenance. So I don't believe that what Jesus was talking about simply refers to bread of a spiritual sort, but I also believe it's a very physical, earthy, the literal things that we take bites of. Jesus is saying, give us this day our bread. But the problem is, so in other words, it's, it's physical resources as well. We'll talk more about that. But the problem is this word epiousias. This word epiousias, it's translated daily, but do you know how translators decide what they're going to translate Greek words into? They look for other usages of a word. The problem with epiousias is that it doesn't appear anywhere else in Scripture, nor does it appear anywhere else in all of classical Greek literature. It appears twice, Matthew 6.11, that we're referring to, and Luke 11, verse 3, which is the same statement. Give us this day our epiousias bread. So the question is, how on earth do you discover how you translate epiousias? Well, most translations translate it daily, fair enough, but there's actually four main lines of thought as to what this word could mean. But since... Eh, let's look at those, what those might be. I was going to say, since you guys don't really... aren't really worried about what they are. So here's four possible meanings of epiousias, okay? Alright, ready? Note takers? You like how I put those blanks right there? You know why I did that? 
So they'd be like, ooh, what's that next blank going to be? That's called a rhetorical device. OK, I don't know why I said that right now. Um, so the first, the first translation, the first understanding of epiousias is simply how it's translated, for today. Now, for today, we have to make this huge stretch to understand it this way. We make this huge stretch in our mind back to the symbolism from Exodus chapter 16. Remember Exodus 16 and the Israelites, they've been set free from Egypt and they're on their way through the wilderness and they're like, Moses, what on earth are you doing? Why did you bring us out here? Did you bring us out here just to kill us? And Moses is like, I didn't, but God might have. Now Moses says, why are you asking me? Why are you complaining to me? It's not like this was my idea. And they're like, just give us something to eat. And Moses says, well, God, give them something to eat. And so all these quail are flying around, remember? And apparently, I guess these quail just kind of like drop dead right in front of them. And so they have quail for breakfast. And then the next thing they know, they're walking around and they see this thing on the ground. They call it manna. You know what manna means? Manna means, what is it? What on earth is that? Literally, that's what the word manna means. What is it? So like, I know what we'll call it. We'll call it, what is it? Because they had no idea what to call it. It was like this grainy, powdery, almost sparkly stuff that they would find on the ground. God literally told them, go and collect just enough manna for the day. And any that you collect that goes over is going to spoil, it's going to rot. And some of them tested God on that. Remember that? And it literally went rotten. The only exception was the Sabbath. Now, there was no... I guess, dictated by law, yet Sabbath. But God told them, God was teaching them about what Sabbath and what rest is going to look like. God says, every day I want you just to take enough for that day, except for on the Sabbath, take two days worth, and it will not go bad. And so they're like, okay. And they didn't really obey that either. But the interesting thing about manna, and I think this is important when we think about our daily bread. How many of you think when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, that it it kind of implies a sense of passivity on our part. That it's like, all right, here I am, God, hook it up, take care of me. The thing about manna, look at this in verse 23 of Exodus 16. God is telling them, bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. The manna wasn't just some like big loaf of bread that just dropped out of the sky. Manna was this grain, this powder that they had to take and they actually had to do something with to make it edible. They were able to participate. God said, I want you to work with me in this. I'm going to provide the raw materials, but I want you to take those raw materials and make them into something usable. A little side note. I think when Jesus is saying, give us this day our daily bread, he has this in mind where he's saying, pray that you can participate in God's provision to your family, to your neighborhood, to the world. And one of the things that we uncover, uncover with that, discover with that, is that Jesus is giving us daily an opportunity for a sense of fulfillment and satisfaction. To do something worthwhile with our time, to make a contribution to the world. That's embedded in that line, give us this day our daily bread. Help me do something useful based on the gifts you provide. 
I did not feel that at all last week. So that's the first understanding of, of epiusias is for today. The second, not for today at all. It's actually for tomorrow. Now that's kind of weird. So one translation could be, our bread for tomorrow give us this day. What's that all about? Our bread for tomorrow give us this day. There's a few different ways you could look at that. If you look at that on a physical sense, you could be saying while you're praying at night, give me my bread for tomorrow. Let me know that it's coming because I don't know what I'm going to put on the table tomorrow. I don't know where it's going to come from. But we have to also remember that Jesus' whole prayer is this prayer of our Father who's in heaven, your kingdom come. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. There are echoes in this line of give us this day our bread for tomorrow. I believe it's speaking back, it's echoing statements and sentiments like this. Wow, that is tiny. Everybody go ahead and come on closer. Go ahead and just make your way up. I will, I will try to read that. This is from Isaiah 25, verses 6 through 8. It says, On this mountain, the Lord of heavenly forces will prepare for all peoples a rich feast, a feast of choice wines, of select foods rich in flavor, of choice wines well refined. God will swallow up on this mountain the veil that is veiling all peoples, the shroud and shrouding all nations. God will swallow up death forever. The Lord God will wipe tears from every face, will remove God's people's disgrace, from the whole earth, for the Lord has spoken. Yikes. That was the understanding of what it would look like for the kingdom to come. The day that was promised was this day that the shroud of darkness would be no more, that death and disgrace would be no more. And one of the things that we pray when we say, give us this day our bread for tomorrow, think about tomorrow with a capital T. We're praying, may we experience in this day the delight and abundance and goodness, that rich feast that all will come to the table and know that there is enough to go around. May we experience that bounty that will come tomorrow Give us a taste of it this day. That's a little bit more than just, eh, give me a bite of bread, please. Isn't it? It echoes that kingdom longing, bring this feast from the future into my family today. Jesus makes a similar statement in Matthew 8, verse 11. He says, I say to you that there are many who will come from east and west and sit down to eat with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. It's this picture of this feast that will one day be, where nothing is missing, no one is left out, and we all sit down knowing that there is enough to go around, complete and full, invited and included in the presence of God. That changes a little bit what we mean when we say, give us this day our daily bread, doesn't it? 
bring that life of the future into this moment. Third option is that it simply means that it's not about time, but it's about quantity, that it simply means just enough. Give us this day just enough bread to make it through the day. That's actually how, uh, I think it's the Arabic version of the Lord's Prayer. That's the sentiment, is just give us this day just enough to get by. That's my least favorite translation, personally. So let's skip to the fourth one. Next. So there's a, there's a translation of the Lord's Prayer from, I believe, the second century into Syriac. Syriac is a language that is closely related to Aramaic, which is the language Jesus would have originally prayed this prayer in. I don't have the translation in front of me, but I'll do it the best I can from memory. The translation of artas, epiusius, which means our bread, whatever epiusius means, into Syriac. The translation is lamho, which is the Syriac word for bread. Lamho, ameno, A-M-E-N-O. Does that sound like a familiar word to anybody else? Lamho ameno. It's where we get our word amen. When we pray amen, when we say amen at the end of the prayer, we're meaning what? We're meaning so be it. Let it be so. Hang up the phone. Click. See you later. In Syriac, what that word literally means is our bread that never runs out. Almeno means never ending, never ceasing. The resource, the stockpile, will never run dry. That's a little bit different than give us just enough, isn't it? So one translation of give us this day our daily bread is give us this day our bread that never runs dry. I don't know what to do with that one. I think it's a cool idea. Practical implications? I don't know, because then why do you pray for it daily? I guess we get to find out. Give us this day our bread that never runs out. Maybe Jesus is trying to bring us back to, remember his statement, do not worry about tomorrow? Jesus doesn't say don't think about tomorrow, don't plan for tomorrow, don't take care of things for tomorrow. He just says don't let your tomorrow be filled with anxiety because there's enough going on in the present. So maybe give us this day our bread that never runs out is Jesus' way of trying to cut underneath what one guy would call the existential angst that makes us concerned, that preoccupies us with, where is this going to come from? Do I know that this is going to happen? Will this be available at my disposal the next day and the next day and the next day? So interestingly, so there's four possible meanings. Epic is for today, for tomorrow, just enough that never runs out. They're all viable. They're all possibilities. 
I came across another one that I think is pretty interesting. And to go there, we have to tell you about this, um, this ancient shopping list. Because for years and years and years, scholars would say this Epiusius word does not show up anywhere else in Greek literature. One day around 1935 or so, the year 1935, a professor at the university, a university in Bern, which B-E-R-N, I believe that's in Switzerland, professor at the University of Bern, he was sitting there sorting through different fragments of articles and different things on his desk, and he was throwing them into the trash. And as he was going through these things, his eyes fell upon this Greek word that he was familiar with, but he'd only seen one other place, and the word was epiousia. And the word was found in... I'm trying to, to really paint the right picture for you. The word was found in a housekeeping book embedded in a shopping list next to other really spiritual items like chickpeas and straw. It's almost as if this mother or father, whoever was scribbling out this shopping list, sent their child to the store and they said, oh, by the way, when you go get this bread, make sure that you get bread that is artos, remember, bread, epiousias. What might that mean on a shopping list from the first century? You know what I think is the best translation of Epiusius? Fresh. Give us this day our fresh bread. We don't want any of this stale, old, two-day-old, three-day-old, four-day-old garbage. We want something fresh today from you. And Jesus says, guess what? The bread you're asking for, the fresh bread that you're asking for, it can take on so many different forms. It can literally be the fresh bread that you put on your peanut butter and jelly sandwich if you still eat those. It can literally be the fresh word that comes from the mouth of God that gives you perspective into your situation right now and you have no idea what to do and how to move forward and how to deal with this thing or this person. And he says, give me the fresh word from your mouth, from your heart, so that I know what you're trying to say and I know what to do. Give me that fresh experience of the kingdom, the world that will one day come. Give me a fresh experience of that in this life, in this body, in this time, in this moment, because without that, I'm going to shrivel up and die. My life is feeling stale, and I need something fresh from you. Bring that freshness from the future into this moment. And Jesus... You called yourself the bread of life. Give me that fresh encounter with you, the person. In this day, in this moment, bring the freshness of your life into my world today.
One of the things I love about this prayer is that I think, now, most of us are not in a situation where daily we're asking God where the food is going to come from that we need on our table the next day, right? If you are, come talk to us. But I don't think that's really where most of us are at. But I think one of the reasons Jesus puts it in there, for those of us that that is a reality, because there are people around the world, obviously I don't need to tell you that, there are people around the world. Isn't it interesting? Jesus doesn't say, pray, give me this day my daily bread. My fresh bread, he says, give us this day our fresh bread. This is a corporate thing. We're called to participate in the fresh breadening of the world. That did not work at all. But you know what I mean. But I believe for those of us, that it's almost like we take for granted the fact that there will be food on the table and that we're so high up on the Maslow's hierarchy of needs that the last thing we're thinking about is where grocery money is going to come from, right? And Jesus says, pray this daily. Give us this day our fresh bread. What does that do immediately? It reminds us the source that every single bite of that bread, that food, whatever that sustenance is, every single bite of that, every taste of that has been a gift from God that stirs up gratitude deep within our hearts. And I just love the absolute generosity that Jesus says, yes, pray for bread, but pray for things that are so much more all-encompassing. Pray for encounters of the kingdom and experiences of the Spirit and of my person. He says, I am so full of abundance that I am longing to pour this out for you, to provide this for you. I love Paul's statement here in Philippians 4. My God will meet your every need out of His riches in the glory that is found in Christ Jesus. It's said this way in James. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. I have a little confession for you, and then a little thing that I'm celebrating. I think sometimes what happens is instead of, and I, I hope I'm the only one in here, I might be the only one, and I don't know if I should even be saying this, but I think sometimes what happens in Western culture is we pray, Father, give us this day our daily bread. And then we go and say, Visa, thank you for providing that. But I'm the only one, right? Sarah and I paid off our credit cards and my student loans three days ago. That felt so, well... It would have felt good if I could have felt good. <laughs> so when I feel good, it will feel so good. Because what happens is we get to this point where we say, give us, Father, this day our fresh bread. Oh, sorry, you're taking too long. Just put on the credit card. Oh, by the way, we get miles. <laughs> They're so tricky how they do that. Can we talk for a little bit about the credit system? No. Do you know what I mean, though? Have you found yourself in that situation? It's like, Father, give us this day our fresh bread. Oh, sorry, you waited five seconds too long. 
I've already put it on the card. One of the things that is really, really powerful to do, um, Sarah's dad used to have a list like this. He refused to go out and put something on a credit card. He insisted that what he would do is anything that he needed, no matter how seemingly trivial, he would put it on a prayer list and he would include it and he would say, God, I want to see how you might provide this relationally. Do you think he had some stories about the father caring about the most random things that you would never think that God would even pay attention to? Like alarm clocks? Seriously? Alarm clocks? Give us this day the fresh thing we need from you so that we remember that ultimately you are our source. I want to tell you a story real quick that has nothing to do with bread, but it has to do with that underlying anxiety that comes and how God says, pray for this. This is one of the things I love about God. We pray for these little things and God says, yeah, I'll do that. And watch this. In my answer to that, I'm going to unravel an answer that is so much bigger than you. You, didn't, you wouldn't even thought to ask for that. But watch what I can do. Some of you know that I'm a little bit familiar with uh, feeling under the weather and not really trusting my body to do what it needs to do. And about four and a half, five years ago, I was supposed to take a trip to Perth, Australia. I was living in China at the time. And this was right at the peak of the time when I would, you know, I would pass out. My body would just kind of give out on me. I'd wake up, not know where I was, and people would, yeah, it was just awkward and a little bit scary. I was taking a trip to Perth, Australia to go teach, and I don't know why it didn't occur to me to cancel the trip. Um, that was kind of telling. Sometimes you just don't have the wherewithal to think through things like that. So I'm about to take this trip to Perth. It was a 16-hour trip, and my body is, I just literally did not know how I would make it from where we were living down to Perth. And I get this email a few days before I'm supposed to leave that they changed my first flight, and they put me on a flight that was five hours earlier than the original flight I had. And I was frustrated, because I'm thinking, I'm already leaving my family for a week to another continent, and now they're putting me on a flight that's going to pull me away from them five hours longer? That is not okay. So I figure, all right, what am I going to do about it? Nothing. So I head to the airport. I get to the check-in counter, and as I'm sitting there at the check-in counter, the lady looks at me. I wish I could remember how she says this in Chinese, but she essentially tells me, look it, we can't check you in right now because we can get you to Guangzhou, but we can't get you out of Guangzhou to Australia. I'm like, so far so good. So I'm here for the amazing race because I've got this anointing right now to just kill this. So I'm sitting there, literally the lady has no idea. It's kind of her job to know what's going on in a situation like this, right? She has no idea what's going on. She invites me around the other side of the counter to read the computer screen so that I could tell her what it's trying to say. She's like, I have no idea what this means. I'm so sorry, sir. I'm so sorry. I go around and it, it says on the screen, insufficient data. I was like, yeah, you're telling me. So I'm sitting there, and we're literally, we're calling embassies. We're, we're calling the, the Australian consulate in Guangzhou. We're making all these calls, thinking, how on earth can I get on this flight so that I don't get stuck in Guangzhou? We're there for about 45 minutes to an hour. I'm being very patient. 
And next thing I know, this friend of mine walks through the door of the airport. And I'm like, hey, fancy seeing you here. And she's like, what's going on? You look a little bit flusterated. Um, that's like epiusius. It's like one of those words that they'll, 2,000 years from now, it's like, flusterated. What is this word? Um, you look a little bit flustrated. So I told her how they wouldn't let me on the plane, and we couldn't figure it out. She's like, oh, yeah, when you're going to Australia, they have this new thing. I didn't need this a few years ago. When you're going to Australia, this new thing, you go online, buy a $25 visa, and then you can get into the country. I'm like, I should have checked that before I left. So I end up going online, buying the thing, and, and then I'm like, oh, by the way, so what are you doing here? Where are you going? She said, oh, I'm on my way to Perth for a conference. I was like, oh. I'm on my way to Perth too. When's your flight? She's like, oh, it's this one. When's your connecting flight? Oh, it's this one. Wait a minute. When are you coming back? Oh, on this day, on this flight, and this flight. Pulled out my schedule. Every single flight together, including the one I had been switched on to my chagrin that I was so frustrated about. Not only did God give me a way to get onto the flight that I needed to get on, but God gave me a travel companion all the way there and all the way back in my whole entire time while in Perth because I believe it was important enough for me to God that I would have the peace of mind to know that I wasn't going to be lost in the middle of some airport somewhere, passed out, and nobody knows who I am, what I'm doing there, and they're just kind of kicking the strange foreigner in the middle of the airport. God's like, hey, you didn't even know to pray that but I went out of my way to orchestrate this for you. Imagine what happens when we know to pray those 